Shibun Benny. <laughs> to this Big week's Human episode Human. of Big Human, I'm here with Gabriel Georges. He's right now in Romania, and that was my attempt at some Romanian at the start of the show there. Uh, Gabriel, uh, welcome. Yeah, thank you, Richard. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to, to be part of, uh, of your podcast. <laughs> ah, yes. Thank you. Uh, so the reason, um, I've, uh, so a bit of backstory, we've worked together a little bit in the past. Uh, you also contributed a chapter to the Knevin at 21 book, which was uh, relatively recently released. And for those who are unfamiliar with that, Knevin is a framework for thinking about complexity, uh, uh, written and well originated, uh, called co-originated by Dave Snowden, who both of us also know. Um, so that's been a big theme on the podcast and a big interest of mine, uh, that, that how we think about complexity and how we apply it, especially in business life. Um, but I also know from your backstory, you know, what an interesting path you've taken to uh, the corporate role that you're, you're now in. Uh, and so I wonder if we, we start with a bit of your backstory and your sort of journeys into self-inquiry, we might say, you know, before, before we hit the complexity theme. Yeah, sure, sure, Richard. Yeah, we'll gladly do so. Okay, so yeah, starting maybe a bit prior to, to, to the university, I've always been passionate about technology, but then also about uh, uh, our nature as humans, individuals. Yeah, since high school, one of our famous writers, Michael Yade, which was a founder of, of a new field back then, the history of religion, I think he, he had set the ground worldwide into this, had been living the last part of his life in the US and Chicago, uh, being uh, an academic, yeah, and teaching there at the university. But yeah, this was one of his main, main, main topics, yeah, symbolism, religion, yeah, what is the human nature, why are we here? So being heavily influenced by, the, by him, since, uh, since high school, uh, reading a lot of his books, I was always interested into that part, spirituality. So beyond the self-discovery journey that I think we all take at some point, when I joined university, I found in uh, Timisoara back then, which is in the western side of Romania, an organization that was teaching yoga systematically, right? So I joined the organization and, yeah, long story short, two years into it, I decided, oh, I want to be a monk in this organization. Uh, and it's not the classical monk thing that, that you usually learn about from books or, or documentaries. It's not about uh, retiring from society, go somewhere, meditate or pray all day or whatever. The, the monks in, in the organization had a pretty active role in the society and actually had to combine couple of things uh, among the spiritual practice and helping others discover uh, their, their own journey, you were also supposed to be able to manage business yeah, that will produce the income for the social endeavors of the organization. Now, uh, right. in, uh, in Romania back then, they were supporting a couple of uh, kindergartens which, uh, for, for abandoned kids or kids that... that uh, were coming from poor backgrounds, yeah. And within the garden, uh, kindergarten curricula, they also were supposed to, to give those kids skills from early age so they become independent adults, yeah. And that right. was done with volunteers. And But monks were always supposed to be able to 
fund such endeavors without depending entirely on, on donations yeah, or, or uh, external, let's say, means of, of supporting it. Yeah? So here I was two years <laughs> into the university, dropping out of the university for two years going on this quest. Yeah. Uh, uh, being young at that time, yeah, yeah uh, you don't think much of, of uh, the, that impact that, that you have on, on people around around you and have been terrible for my mother for a while. <laughs> she got used to the, to the idea that, oh, what is this guy doing? Yeah. Were, were your parents religious? Was like that? Well, my, my mother, yeah. Uh, but I think she was also quite open-minded, yeah, even if it was a spiritual practice that wasn't part of the main Orthodox religion, which is the dominating one in, in Romania, yeah, Christian, Christian Orthodox part. Uh, she was okay with it. Yeah? The, what, what she didn't like was the fact that I was dropping out of school yeah, for, for this particular reason. <laughs> yes. yeah. Can you not just do your meditation in the morning, yeah, Gabriel, and, and stay in school, right? So I, I went on this journey, working alongside to fund the, the, the training, uh, and a couple of misfortunes, or at least the way I've seen them back then, happened, so I couldn't complete my uh, my training in the two years time that I could take for the uni from the university without losing entirely uh, what I did. Yeah, so at the end of that two years, I, I had some uh, thought going, uh, thought processing going on. What would I do? Yeah, do I stay another year or two? And then if I want to finish my study, I have to start it all from zero. So long story short, uh, I, I said back then, well, you know, I, I owe this to, to my mother at least. Yeah. So that she's happy and relaxed, went back, uh, finished my my studies, and actually, in the end, decided to 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 join the, the business world, which I see even today as an important vehicle to to help society evolve and uh, and transform. Yeah, if it goes beyond just the means of of profit and, and satisfying the, the uh, shareholders, right? So. Yeah, I, I graduated. Yeah, there were also some aspects, some philosophical aspects in my thought process. Yeah, that that were important as well, and in uh, in that decision. But yeah, I went back. I finished my studies, and uh, then a couple of years later, I joined uh, the workforce. Right, individual contributor first in the in the area of IT, both uh, um, in the part of the infrastructure and the software development world. But yeah, having also this, as I said, this passion for people, I was pretty, uh, I was interested into the management uh, career yeah. path. So I, I think it was my fourth year of, of uh, work when when I joined the first role that supposed uh, or contained a part of coordinating and managing people. And from there onwards, yeah, I've been into various roles. Uh, and lately, I think in the past. Ten years, I would say, yeah, leading organizations of various sizes, uh, mainly active in the in the IT area. I spend a bit of time in consultancy and a bit of time in, in, in market research, and yeah, that's where I where I am today. Yeah, always remembering the practices <laughs> since since back then, which are really helpful in uh, in uh, in your day to day 
of a corporate citizen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'm fascinated with. We'll definitely come on to you know what what, what you're learning as a manager and leader now, but. Like what was what did your day look like then? So you, I mean, because I can remember what my day looked like at like that age, and it was you know crawling out of bed, hungover, trying to make it to a few lectures, you know, before the boozing started again at like yes. seven in the evening. I mean, you had sounds to me like you had a very different existence as a monk. Like, how would yeah, you? Yeah, well, go? back then when uh, when I was into it, out of the university would be a lot of uh, meditation. And the asanas, and and then yeah, working with the kids. Which is a, which are poses, right? For those not familiar with yoga, that's yes, like the yeah, yoga poses. Yes, postures in which you have to sit and help uh, as well in uh, in your practice, practice strengthening the body uh, and uh, helping you concentrate as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the simplest form of of putting it. Working then as well with with the kids, helping with the businesses that the monks that were teaching me back then had. So they, there could be funding as well for, for the social endeavors. Yeah, those were uh, the days waking up very early, yeah, which I think comes naturally. Yeah? I mean, I'm just looking looking back. I, I was always an early riser. Then even even for for um, other friends that I had back then, following the same practice after a couple of months. It sort of grows into you naturally. This is not a forced thing that you naturally wake up and start your day with a meditation session. Then you go along with, with, with various things uh, uh, that are more uh, mundane, yeah, let's call it. And then, then you have a, another round at noon and another round in the evening, but then you fill in time with various other types of activities. Yeah? And for me back then was as well, as I said, working with those disadvantaged kids. Uh, in the kindergartens that the organization had. And I also spent, within those two years, some time with the, with the same organization in Istanbul and, and in uh, Budapest, yeah, where they had various kinds of uh, uh, businesses that were run. Actually, if, I, if I'm to be correct, that was my first management job in, in Budapest. Actually, the monk that I, uh, I stayed with in Budapest had a hostel network of hostels in Budapest and in yeah in my second month there he just let me manage the whole thing <laughs> so, he could, so so he could uh, he could properly focus on uh, on just the yeah spiritual aspects and the uh, social aspects of the of the organization yeah uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and these were hostels for backpackers, were they? Is that yes? They were hostels for backpackers. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. So you part. were trying to keep tourists happy all day whilst in between meditating. Yeah, yeah, indeed. But that, that was an interesting journey. I think an interesting exposure, exposure as well to various cultures and, and various ways of thinking and looking at the world. I think I met quite a bunch of interesting people in in, uh, in that year in Budapest. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So that was uh, that was then, and then when I came back to the university, I think that was a bit weirder as well, from from the standard because, as you said, yeah, the two years before that is the typical university where you have yeah things to do. You struggle waking up in the morning because you were partying late <laughs> the night before. So when I came back, still embedded into this practice. I would be the old guy in in the room, yeah, that wakes up at four thirty a.m. and does his weird stuff, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, 
goes to goes to bed as well uh, quite early. But well, <laughs> I enjoyed it, and and uh, I had yeah colleagues in the in in the room. My roommates were were okay with it. Uh, uh, at least uh, they, they tolerated my <laughs> weirdness. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm imagining you must have had quite a strong character, and maybe this just be projecting. But I, I could have. Were you not under some peer pressure? Peer pressure to be like, oh, come on, Gabriel, you know, loosen up, have a drink, you know. Yeah, don't be so there was. Boring. Yeah, there was, but again, yeah, back then was I was quite strict. Uh, I sort of moderated in uh, into that uh, years after. But yeah, at that time I was really, really strict, not having any any alcohol or or. St- uh, coffee or any sort of like n- nervous system stimulants, yeah, which is you know is the day to day of the <laughs> student life. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it it went okay <laughs> for that period. Right, quite right. some some character indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine, and presumably helped with your studies, right? I mean, you you know, being that sort of present and. Yeah, well, probably, yes. You know, the thing is, I was always longing sort of like, ah, again, to this engineering thing. Yeah, so I think it helped with the, with the studying. But the, those yeah, three years I, I had to complete after, yeah, were, were I sort of lived in two worlds in, at the same time. Yeah? One, the, the school-related one, and the, the other one, my spiritual quest uh, back then. And I think that was that was the main challenge because, yeah, Study wise, if you if you pull your weight one way or the other, you you go through it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and so, what did you see as your spiritual quest? That's interesting. Like, what 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 did you have as your goal? Well, I, I think I, the, the, you know the standard questions that we all ask ourselves probably uh, at the moment we start to to think and to rationalize and understand enough of the world around us. You know what's What's the purpose? Yeah, what are we here for? Yeah, well, that was my uh, my drive. Yeah, uh, into that spiritual practice, and uh, it's a continuous journey. Yeah, well, I think, but well, where it ended up with me back then, it's that yeah, I think as a society we we have to evolve. Yeah, there is a constant evolution happening naturally, and you can accelerate some of that at the individual level if you have a certain practice yeah either that being yoga or being christian spirituality praying i don't know i mean there's a bunch of there are a bunch of roads yeah as if you read a bit from from all religions and all spiritual practices i think you conclude by yourself pretty soon that there are a bunch of roads to the same destination of uh, of self-discovery and i think that's where you can accelerate that journey yeah and by accelerating your individual journey then you can maybe inspire others around you and, uh, you know, contribute a bit to, to the society becoming better and better. Right, right. And and so what do you see as self, self-discovery? Like, what, how, how do you relate to that, that idea? Yeah, well, I think... Uh, with, with those practices, your, your conscious awareness of, of what's happening with yourself, what's happening around you in the world expands. And then we, along the way, everybody so at least discovers the direction of travel. And this is the interesting thing, how 
connected those things are with the complex adaptive systems and, and the Canavian uh, uh, decision-making framework. Yeah? Because it's, again, you know, you never know your destination or maybe you aim for a goal, like I want to understand the world, I want to understand myself, but it, it is not like I want to build a mobile, mobile phone. It doesn't have that level of concreteness. It's quite vague, right? So you actually, through the practice, I think you, you, you discover this direction of travel and by exploration yeah, and continuously iterating on that, it, it's sort of the, the path takes you somewhere and sometimes left, sometimes right, right, sometimes straightforward. Uh, it, it's, it's not a linear uh, exploration. Yeah, this is what I found fascinating after I discovered Dave and, and his work, and, and we did a couple of things together using Canavin as a framework and the complex science behind it, uh, how, how connected some of those things are. And I know Dave particularly has, has a, a very strong belief and, and yeah, it's not that much into the individual and the role of the individual. Uh, but yeah, I see a lot of those connections yeah, between this journey of self-discovery, which is an individual, you can call it egoistic up to some point, endeavor, and how how complex adaptive systems work and how you should uh, uh, manage in a, in a complex system. Right. Well, let, <clears throat> let's see if we can draw out some of those connections then. So, I mean, you, you're saying that... Well, uh, and I, I'm sort of paraphrasing here, but you know, you, 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 I, I see it relate to it as some kind of surrender, right? You're just like, okay, I'm just going to keep on this path of, of self-discovery and I'm going to allow myself to, you know, go, as you said, go left and right, follow, yeah. follow my nose at some level into, you know, what's the, what's the next, what's the next layer yeah. to unpeel? Like what's the next, um, you know, what's the next move for me on this path? And and that relates somehow to complex adaptive systems. I wonder if you could you could draw yeah. that out. Yeah, yeah. So the way I draw it out for for myself is like when you start uh, looking at a complex adaptive system, you you try to discover what's going on in the present, right? And what is the evolutionary potential of the present yeah, of the system of the organization that that you work with? Yeah, you have to meet the system where it is. Yeah. And it's the same, I think, with the spiritual practice. Yeah, presence—it's it, an important vector in. in I, I think all of the serious spiritual practices that I either did or, or been exposed to by by reading and by talking with with, with other people. Yeah, that that is also yeah one of the fundamental things. Yeah, to be present so that your inner voice yeah gets the right medium to to express yeah so the inner pilot or whatever we want to call it i think that kicks in after a while of consistent practice and and it starts to guide you yeah, that, that inner voice and yeah however you want to call it your soul your consciousness your whatever yeah i think it is not that important how you call it but yeah that that comes yeah and then it's the same with the complex adaptive systems once once you build that initial map yeah uh, of of the system, and you see you see it that dispositional map, yeah. You start to uh, to do experiments, right, and and probe what what works, what doesn't work, identify a direction of travel, and what works you scale, what doesn't work you 
you stop doing. And I think it's the same in uh, in, in this uh, individual practice of whatever sort. Yeah, there's no predefined recipe that you just follow blindly and will take you somewhere. It's a it's a consciousness effort, but at the same time, yes, it, it's all very very connected with with, with the present moment the present status of of the system and what's the next iteration where is the next iteration taking me and every right. every iteration actually yeah changes you changes the system and and you there is this continuous need as well to to probe and and, and revalidate your hypothesis deconstruct the system to a more granular level yeah i think that is happening in the individual journeys as well of, of those that are practicing uh, uh, anything related to yeah, self-discovery. Yeah? Either you yeah. involve or not the spiritual aspect into it, I think that's also another, uh, another dimension which is not uh, uh, mutually exclusive. Yeah? You can be on a journey and you are a complex adaptive system by definition, right? We as yeah. humans are complex adaptive systems by, by definition. Right. Yeah. And it, I mean, the metaphor here for me that's emerging is like, so this, we've got this idea of the, of the quiet voice or the soul or, you know, this, yes. the, the whis- God's whisper or whatever we, how we ever want to relate to it. And, and somehow we're defining something like that in the system as a whole, right? You talk about the dispositional state or, you know, so mapping out, um, and when we, the terrain and what we mean by that, you know, specifically with regards to the work that Dave Snowden does is this idea of a, of a narrative map, right? That um, with, with that's been plotted against different uh, vectors, and and we get to see some kind of landscape of, um, you know, where people are at within an organization, and it's almost like that is the voice, that's the quiet voice, the voice that's not um, readily espoused, right? Um, but yeah. is there? Yeah, yeah, um, and then it's a question of what we do with that voice, right? Do we, as you say, you know, where do, how do we experiment? How do we iterate? Like what, given that, given that, what's next? Yeah, yeah. And I think in, at, at the pra- individual practice level, right, you always have some things that are helping you. Yeah, yeah. there are some uh, best practices or good and good practices as well, like we have in the, in the clear or complicated space of the canabin, right? And then in the complex one, yeah, there are uh, rules of thumb as well, yeah, that, that you, you apply and then based on that, you, you realize certain things in practice as you do in an organization when you, when you try to, to evolve it as a, as a complex system, yeah? Right. And I suppose we, perhaps there's a parallel there between spiritual practices we might undertake and, you know, practices that I might apply in an organizational context is that yeah is that right yeah yeah we were talking about like we've got these practices that we use with ourselves being complex adaptive systems uh and that we can apply uh, certain practices um out there with organizations and complex adaptive systems so uh, yeah i think there are so many parallels between the work we can do on ourselves and the work we do with organizations across the individual and the collective as you say that dave satan seems to reject because he talks about it doesn't scale but then all spiritual self-work is uh, 
done on a, an individual level ultimately and yet are we saying that spirituality doesn't scale or like religious practice doesn't scale i i i, I think it's absurd to make that claim that um you know we can't have a a mass effect or through using the vector of individuals and yeah, I, I don't understand that yeah i think there are many many species in this puzzle and yeah I don't have all, all of them, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's this continuous journey, and probably the, the the picture just completes itself at some point. But right now, yeah, uh, for me, I see all of those things as the, the way I, I I spoke about them, and yeah, who knows what's the next step? <laughs> as, yeah. As, we, as the theory says, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's a continuous iteration and a continuous practice. And there's no uh, uh, end goal in, in a classical uh, way. Uh, it, uh, it's a direction of travel that you always look for in a complex adaptive system. Yeah. And, and this is, and you, I mean, you really live these principles because I can remember you and I, you know, we set up, you know, a, a large scale workshop together at your organization in, in, uh, in Romania, I must say, in, in Brasov, which for anybody who ever wants, Goes, gets the opportunity to go to Romania, go to Brasov. It's the most, you know, beautiful, well, it's a beautiful city, or at least the old parts of it are, and a beautiful setting. Um, yeah. But we, we, we did this workshop, but I was like, well, you know, okay, well, we need to have some kind of goal for the workshop, right? We need to have some kind of direction. We've got to be doing this, this, and the workshop was about understanding, you know, what are the present opportunities to, um, you know, improve the culture of your organization or improve how your, your effectiveness and, you you were just like no, let's not put any let's just let's just be with what's possible right now like you were completely open to the idea that there's there's no container beyond like what's possible and uh, you know i just felt that was very bold in a sense you know in a corporate settings because you know so often we're all constrained aren't we by by very often very specific goals about what the organization or at least the leaders of an organization want to achieve at that particular moment in time yeah, and we were we were constrained back back then as well, right? I mean, I think from from my uh, larger team that that I uh, I'm, I'm a member of, yeah, I had this pressure and the constraints that yeah, what is it exactly? Yeah, what what comes out of of this? What is the tangible thing that we can all look at and and measure and evaluate? But yeah, I think luckily uh, I, I I realized early that it's no point of of running running it with with that approach in mind it misses the whole purpose of of the approach right if you if you constrain it too much then there's there's yeah there are very few things that that could emerge out of of a a very constrained system yeah you're right yeah um and again back to the sort of individual parallel we we can't, you know, we can't on the one hand pursue spiritual growth and on the other be really fixed goals that are held onto and clasped by the ego, right? Those things can't exist at the same time. You, part of the growth is to let go of what the ego wants um, and to detach from that. And that's so hard, I think, for organizations to get their head around this idea that, you know, a certain level of letting go of what our plan might be, our strategy might be. Um, is the route to maximizing the potential of the organization in the present. That, that, would, that would seem 
you know, entirely contradictory in the kind of worldview that says, no, 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 to maximize our potential, we've got to have clear goals. We've got to know where we go. We've got to have a plan. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I, the, the funny thing is that I think all organizations, even when they have those plans, yeah, it, it, rarely, it rarely, if ever, goes as planned. But then nobody does the, the retrospective afterwards. And, 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 you know, even with the risk of the yeah, retrospective coherence that we learn about in complexity, nobody does that properly to realize that actually, well, okay, the journey was pretty, pretty, pretty different from, from what we, what we aim for. And, and some are still stubborn to go to that concrete goal, even if they, uh, uh, miss other things along, along the road. But yeah, I think slowly and yeah, it's, it's, it's an important, I would say dynamic right now with the, uh, with the virus, yeah, with the coronavirus, uh, which had put all, a lot of the organizations in a paradox, right? The work from home was something sort of like a dream in the standard corporate world. You will always have one up maybe two days per week, not more than that. Uh, everybody being afraid in the, in the senior management that this is, this will not work, right? And all of a sudden, puff, yeah, from one day to the other, it actually worked. Okay. There are many things to be told about it. Yeah, what are the consequences of a long uh, uh, or ex- very extended period of work from home? But that that I think sort of brought a new a new normal. I don't know if we can properly call it an executive <laughs> situation as as we have it in the theory. Uh, but I think it, it it drastically changes the corporate corporate world, and that change had just begun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I think we should, um, we've, we've just thrown out a couple of bits of jargon there, which might be useful just to explore for people. Um, so we talked about exact, you know, whether something's exactive and we could talk about that and, and retrospective coherence. Um, so I wonder if you could start with the, the, the second one first, what do you mean by retrospective coherence? Yeah. So when, when you look backwards at something, right, it makes sense and you find connections where actually when, when, when it happens, they aren't there. Yeah. The, you, you see the linearity when you look backward at the situation. Uh, while actually when you are within that situation, uh, uh, there isn't, it's not a linear system. Yeah. That's, right. that's the retrospective coherence. And that's why. As, as Dave is also saying on, on multiple occasions, yeah, uh, in, in, again, in the corporate world, sometimes you do uh, an analysis at the end of a project, yeah, uh, but that, that, that rarely uh, reaches its, its purpose, its goal, yeah, because of this retrospective coherence. Things make sense after they happen, but that, that doesn't necessarily explain why they happen in a certain way, yeah. Right, because our, our brain wants us to be able to make some linear sense of things and, and, and yeah. organize it in our mind. Oh, this and then that happened and this happened and that's why this happened. That's yeah, that's why this whole case study-based right literature that, that we are all exposed to, it's, it's quite often pure nonsense, yeah? Because they take a few cases of what worked, what didn't work, and, and, and draw a conclusion from there that, okay, there is a recipe to be followed and everybody is, is, is jumping into this. Uh, and let's follow the recipe, uh, being convinced that they will, uh, uh, 
get the same result. Well, actually, that that doesn't happen. Yeah, uh, you you can have ten companies all doing the same, and one or two will be successful. The other ones, the other eight, will, will go bankrupt just by doing the same things. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, we see that in business books all the time, right? Yeah, they'll pick like 10 or 12 case studies that match the pattern. They'll claim that because these businesses are doing X, Y, Z, that's why they're great. Yeah, as you say, yeah. miss all the ones that have failed doing exactly that. And then there's never the retrospective like 10 years later to see whether those companies yeah. are still successful. Yeah. Well, with the exception of good to great, I think that one got that, that somebody did some analysis, didn't they, on those good to great companies and discovered that many yeah, of them were, yeah, weren't, yeah. So, weren't so yeah, great famous, after all in the long run. Yeah, that's a famous example of of, uh, of, of the retrospective coherence. Yeah, and and confusing actually correlation with causation. Yeah, which is another quite quite common symptom in uh, in the world, not only in the corporate world. Yeah. 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 Um, and then the other, the second uh, term you used was exactive, which you know yeah. is familiar in the complexity um, domain. You know we're familiar with that, but yeah, just explain for people what we mean by that. Yeah, yeah. So I hope I'm able to explain it properly. The, the, the simple way I look at it is that something develops for a purpose, but then along the way it, it changes and and it starts to be used for a different, completely different. Purpose and that's an acceptation, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they've always used this example of the dinosaurs, yeah, that they hold feathers for uh, uh, for the purpose of warmth and, and sexual displays. And some species were living uh, uh, in in the trees, right? And, and obviously, accidents happen as well, and you fall from trees every now and then, yeah. So. I don't know how many of those dinosaurs fell from from the trees, and some of them discovered along the way that they could fly by by extending their uh, their wings, and then that evolved into into flight, right? So that's an, that's an exceptive uh, uh, example. Right, right, yeah. And then you were questioning whether our current work from home might be some kind of exaptive evolution. Um, yeah, I suppose you, you maybe in one sense, right? We, 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 we evolved this way of working as a means for some people to like have a day at home to catch up on stuff or, or, or deal with family commitments. And it, it's become an entire way of life. Maybe you can make the argument. I think there's some potential in there. I'm not necessarily saying that it, it, it mm. takes it exactly mm. to something, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's a journey yeah, that is irreversible right now, triggered by, by the pandemic, which will which will bring a lot of change, I think, in uh, in the corporate world and yeah, in, in the society as well. And because a lot, a lot of people are already into this. All right, this scenario fits me best. I still want to get back with my colleagues and see them, but not on a day-to-day basis. And then open that opens up uh, many, many other things: a uh, better work-life balance, not sitting in traffic the whole day. Yeah. Yeah, you can the opportunity to go learn to, to fly airplanes. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> so for those listening, you've just got your pilot's license, right? That's been right. Your, the, yeah. the lockdown dividend, ironically yeah, enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's been a long dream from, from childhood, yeah. So yeah, the pandemic helped me get that as well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
uh yeah and I, well and i think i think just the language we're using right like the new normal or are we going back to the old normal and but that you know we're, again we, we we sort of crave normalcy don't we as as, as humans like we want we, rather than rather than sort of a different stance like which you know yeah like what's possible now like what's possible now what's possible now no i don't want to ask that question i just want to like keep it the same yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well i i think that's also part of the education right and the, the, the education system which which has to evolve in my opinion as well yeah and and uh, get get people more familiar with the complexity part because actually that's what life is right i mean okay practicing whatever or not practicing anything yeah if, if you build a habit at least to reflect every now and then on your life your experiences along the years, right? You see the perfect example of a complex adaptive system evolving and moving through various stages, changing continuously, right? Yes, okay, there are not revolutions there every day, but there is a constant change yeah, of that system as, as individuals. It never stays the same, even though we are longing for the stability and nor- normality and yeah, repeatable things. At the same time, we get bored by them, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I see it with kids, right? With my kids, you know, I, I'll, I'll sort of float along, you know, I'll be very calm and very zen, or I've got twin boys, and, you know, I'm just dealing with them and dealing with them. And then suddenly, I know where I'm I, like, snap at one of them. And, you know, it, it's like, wow, like, where did that come from, Richard? And, you know, it, it's through, what, like, journaling and self-reflection. Like, you know, that's the way for me to, like, understand how this system that seemed so, you know, uh, in, in, in this state of equilibrium suddenly sort of leapt into some kind of chaos, right? Which yeah. is what we talk about in complex systems. That how that in happens. complex, yeah. yeah. It's hard, I think, to get trained to do that uh, shallow dive how Dave calls it, into chaos, yeah, which is a conscious effort of going into chaos, removing constraints from the system, get there into chaos, which is the breathing space of innovation. Uh, it, it's very, very hard to uh, train yourself or others to, to do the, those type of, of things consciously. Yeah? And with kids, yeah, they are, they are the master of chaos, yeah. Yeah, you get it for free, right? Like it's it's been an absolute boon to my spiritual growth, or at least that's what I have to tell myself every day. <laughs> because yeah. you know, they, yeah, I'm constantly being, or frequently being thrown into you know these chaotic situations, and and, and sort of my own chaotic internal state. Like I'll, I'll I'll become disoriented and um you know um erratic um you know as a result of these stimuli and it's uh it's you know the, the work is to like okay it's, it's like relax and re- okay re- how can i release that and relax and yeah. like reflect and um yeah constantly it's yeah it's the I work think, i think we have to discover at some point that the, the best way to be able to keep that threat that we have we all have it as a kid and we see it in our own our own kids uh, that that constant exploration in the present, you know, which they do, yeah, up to up to a certain age, yeah? and then when we start to enroll them in school, and then yes, I mean, it, it, a lot of things that we do in school make sense, but all that process of schooling them, at some point, it, it sort of uh, uh, loses that that uh, 
childhood play, right? And that explorative mind that, that is able to stay there in an environment connected with what's going on around and just explore the potential of that of that situation, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it is extraordinary. And I watch like one of my boys and they'll pick up a stick. I was like, oh, this could be a drumstick. Oh, and now it could be like a pretend cigarette. And now it could be, yeah. I don't know, like a tong for cooking. And, you know, it, you know, in the space of like, you know, 10 or 20 seconds, they'll have come up with six or seven different uses for like one object. And it's just extraordinary, isn't it? That level of creativity and, you know, curiosity for, for potential that exists in in us when we're that yeah, young. It's just naturally there. Then I think, yes, as we, as we grow up, we have to relearn that skill. And I think that's, that's one of actually the important missing skills today in, in, in organization. Yeah, that, that yeah. appetite for experimentation, rediscovery, repurposing of, of, of things, yeah, using the tools that you have at hand to, to, to constantly evolve. Yeah. Uh, there, as, as you were mentioning as well, we, we seem to be pushing more into the, ah, we just wanted the same old, nothing to change. And we, we don't look at the system or rarely look at the system in, in its uh, uh, entirety and uh, explore it, probe it to see yeah, how, how to evolve yeah, to, to a next stage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's... Uh... Well, I, I like this as well to think of it as the beginner's mind, right? Like, let's just let go of our experience, our ego, you know, our perspectives as much as it's possible for us to do. I mean, that in itself, of course, is a lifetime of practice, but to the just be with, right? We'll be present. What's what's there? What's possible? Um, and and I remember when I was first learning about the Toyota production system and that that the understanding of Kaizen and this this way of um, working to improve systems there. Like, one of the rules is you're not allowed to use extra resources, right? You've got, you've got to, you've yeah. got to make it adaptations to your, in this case, you know, production line, you know, your tooling or whatever it may be. You mustn't spend money. You know, you've just got to use what you've got, your resources available to right now. And that I think is, can be a really important constraint and important idea. Like we, so often when we think about innovation in, in companies, it's all about like, you know, what can, what, like, what can we, <laughs> it can be at the level of what company can we acquire or what can yeah. we go out and buy? We, we, we seem to have less of a focus in organizational life. I'm like, no, just what can we do like right now with what we've got? Yeah, I think that's the, there's the other human tendency of uh, I want it all and I want it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not, not, having, not having that patience to grow towards that, evolve towards that and discover it. Yeah, and it, it takes time as much as we like it or not. Yeah. It doesn't instantly happen, or yeah, maybe that happens very, very rarely. But the usual way things go, right, requires requires times and patience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 I find myself, you know, having to fight against it because it's so even. You know, just in my general life, like if I, if I need something, you know, my in my house, I need to fix it, or I need some some to change something. In some way, you know, my inst my instant instinct is just to go to Amazon. Like, what can I buy to solve this problem? It's not like what could I make to solve this problem, or yes. what of that I already own could I adapt to solve this problem? It's uh, it's becoming so easy for us, isn't it, just to buy our way out of problems? Yeah, yeah, very easy in today's world. It, it, it seems to be more more and more easier, actually. You know, without us realizing that maybe we also lose something along the way. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I think that's, um, you know, that's, that's important. Um, I don't know, like it, an important, it, you know, you want to say skill? Well, it is a skill, I suppose. It's a thinking skill, isn't it? It's a, it's, um, yeah, it's a set of um, problem-solving skills, you might say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I know just, just listening to you, right, I just remember when, when Romania was not for democracy, yeah, when we were under communism, yeah, everything was scarce, yeah. There was a scarcity on food, there was scarcity on, on, on tools, there was scarcity on materials. And, okay, what it, as a kid, you don't feel those things the same way like, like a grown-up uh, feels it, yeah. But I'm quite sure that that contributed a lot, at least into my generation and the generations that were younger than me, that grew up in, in, in those years, to sort of be more comfortable with not having all, everything at hand, but still make out something of, out of whatever you have. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think that capacity, you know, in, in a system, again, we keep going and revolving around basically. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you don't have scarce, scarcity, uh, it's it's worse than when when some things are scarce. Yeah, yeah. That breeds complacency. That that sort of breeds those automated responses to everything because there's everything is at, it's at a click distance. Yeah, and you can solve a lot of problems either with Amazon or with calling an an expert and, or whatever. Yeah, the, the technology gives you access to to a wide wide. Uh, uh, set of uh, uh, tools and, and uh, expertise, but then at the same time, yeah, if it's not scarce, uh, you are not challenged. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. You, 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 become, you become complacent and you sort of like when, when something then comes and, and that it, it, it's only about what can I do to fix it with what is around you, it's very, very hard yeah, to, to, to be in that state. Yeah, no, and I, I see it in my own family with my father. I mean, my dad grew up, um, you know, l sort of lower middle class, not a lot of money around, um, and is, is very adept at making all kinds of things. And, and whenever I have, a, you know, or very often when I have a problem at home, it'll be like, hey, dad, can you come fix this? Because he's got all of these skills I never developed. Now, you know, there are other aspects that, you know, he got education, he went to technical college and stuff. So he does have a sort of layer of education on top, but his basic uh, you know, just abilities that I don't have and I don't see it, you know, in my brother or other people of my age. We just don't have that ability to go fix the yeah. car like our father's generation did. And, um, yeah. you know, I fear that my kids are going to be even, <laughs> even more in that. Yeah, and you're right. I, that's one of my fears as well with our daughter, yeah, because as, as parents, yeah, we also grew up in, a, 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 in an environment that wasn't abundant, not both at the society level because of the communists, but also, yeah, our parents couldn't afford everything, yeah. Uh, um, and now because, okay, the society evolved, uh, you have good jobs and, and you can afford more than your parents could afford as a, as a generation, we sort of try to satisfy all of the, all the requests that are coming from, from our kids. And, but then at the same time, yes, you, you have this constant thought process saying, okay, am I doing a good thing or a bad thing actually not exposing my kid to 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 any anything yeah there's nothing scarce in their world 
or almost nothing. Yeah, there's full yeah. abundance of, of, of everything, and, and and yes, I think I think that that damages something <laughs> in in the yeah. evolution to, towards uh, um, the, the adult life. Yeah, yeah. Where for yeah. sure they will not have everything. Yeah. It's not a criticism to the younger generations, but I think you can see it in, 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 in interactions with, with younger colleagues or with younger acquaintances and friends. You can see that there is this sort of, I want it, I want it now. It, it needs to happen now. Why wouldn't it happen now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's less patience, less patience in, uh, than, than, than probably we had when we grew up. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I th I th I think that's right. Um but I also think it's almost a, it's, a, it's interesting as well that you see you see the, the counter movement, right? You see as you know as the system as a whole, right? Like yoga's become so popular. I mean my kids are doing like yoga at like it's cool. kindergarten, right? <laughs> it's like at the same time yeah. our life is speeding up. We're sort of we're pulling on these resources to help us slow down, right? Yeah, well, there's always this uh, circular movement, yeah? How is yeah. that saying? What goes around comes around. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the proper one, but yeah, this, this uh, cyclic or cyclicity yeah, in society and yeah, certain things come and go, they come again. And, and yeah, I, mean, I think it's good that kids are doing those things in, in kindergarten and in school. Maybe sometimes it's a mechanistic approach, but still... It, it gives them something, right, to, to be better prepared to, to live a fulfilling life, you know? And <laughs> yeah, at least it takes the kind of weird, at the very least, it takes the weirdness out of it. I mean, I think, because I can remember where I first started kind of getting yoga and into spirituality. It's, um, there's a kind of weird factor to it, which obviously you, you were able to deal with, you know, manfully in your early 20s, you know, or among your peers, but it's, but it's uh, it, it's there. I mean, I remember there's a dating show in, in the UK, and um, I, the way it works is the 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 women get to pick the men, right? So there's whatever, like 15 yep. men, and they're all on podiums, um, and they get to say a little bit about themselves. And each round, like these men get successively knocked out, right? Um, right. <laughs> well, actually, you know, so hang on, I've got the setup wrong. So there's one man, and all the girls have lights, but they 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 extinguish their light when they're no longer interested in the guy, right? And, yes. and the guy has to do various exercises until, you know, eventually, hopefully there's at least like one light left and then they get to go on a yeah. date. Um, <laughs> this one guy, like in his opening spiel, says, yeah, no, 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 I'll do this, i do that. Oh, and I'm into meditation and yoga. And it was just... Doo -doo 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 -doo. <laughs> like 90% of all these girls' lights just went off, you know? And it's just this like, uh, you know, uh -oh, you know, weirdo alert. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think I think <laughs> nothing else. But, yes, it takes the weirdness out of yeah, yeah. having a yeah, spiritual. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, aspect. when I started, at least I think it also had a bit of a cool factor in in it, not not being a, <laughs> a very spread uh, thing back then in Romania. I remember my my colleagues and former colleagues as I dropped for for two years uh, that they always were like oh, wow that's interesting <laughs> right so more cool and um square that's good yeah 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 um maybe it'll get cool again maybe it's getting cool I mean to some extent it is I suppose with you know more celebrities doing yoga and 
meditation seems to be having a, a like yeah. mindfulness. It seems to be becoming a little bit more. The 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 other thing, yeah, which is really um, valid in in, in both the, the individual practice and in the complex adaptive systems and how you manage in a complex adaptive system, that journaling, yeah, uh, that Dave has, yeah, uh, uh, omnipresent in in the methods and, and the approaches, yeah, that's very powerful. I think. Yeah, the more, and I think yeah, that's that, that's one one of the things that has to come up in or, or has to be part of the day to day in uh, in schools and in kindergarten. Yeah, getting kids used to journaling from early age will help them tremendously their their entire lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, that's been like as well as all the other modalities I've explored. You know, it's like my my. It, They've been like a free therapist. My journal is the way I see my journal, right? It's, uh, you know, I've, I've learned so much through just writing the stuff down. And of course, it's a great resource to go back and I can look at back my journal. I've got them all, you know, going back yeah. years now. Yeah, and that, and that is, you know, that is the biggest challenge. And even in our work together, right, and, and, and the work we did with Cognitive Edge, I think that was one of the major challenges in, in this endeavor and this uh, journey, yeah? getting people that are mainly engineers by formation to journal to reflect on on on, on their deeds, right? And, yeah, well, and even well, I don't think it's it's restricted to engineers. I mean, I've done this with journalists, journalists right, right for a living, and getting them to journalists. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between professional writing. And journaling for uh, you know a self reflection, um, uh, and also Steve McCrone, who's uh, worked a lot with Cognitive Edge, and you know is, is also featured in the book and Evan at Twenty One, and is a complexity practitioner. Yeah. He, practitioner, he said the same problem, right? Is 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 getting people to journal, um, which is which is coming all full circle for people not familiar with that 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 dispositional state that we talked about. You know that almost that idea, that, you know that it's not quite, but you know the soul of the organization or at least like what's emerging right now in the organization is really built up through all of these effectively journal entries, right? Like little stories that people write about themselves. Um, but if you don't have that, that's the currency, right? That's the, that's the fuel for this, this picture. Uh, and if people aren't prepared to just spend that little bit of time reflecting on their experience in the organization, you, 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 you can't build that picture, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that that requires persistence and uh, not letting go of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Like being a good yogi, like just staying with it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I'm interested, you know, like of of all of the practices, the things. Have, have you got any that you you continue with today? Yeah, yeah, on, on the on the meditative practice, yeah, I still have a couple of things that, that I continue with uh, even today. Exercising-wise, not that much, even though this sort of like growing back into me as well. You, you know, you get carried away by, by various things in life. And this, this was for me one thing that I sort of, it's not a regret, but I, I miss it. Yeah, and this that, is that what do you mean, the, the, the physical asanas, the yoga you mean? or Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, because that you know, the, I, I, we we are multi-layered beings, right? You have the physical level, you have the the uh, psychic level, and okay, if you believe or not that there is something of of uh, of a spiritual nature, yeah, you also have then a spiritual nature, and then then there are in the practice like yoga, all of those things come to to sort of support each of those layers, yeah, your, your meditative practice uh, takes care of the psych psychological dimension and the spiritual dimension. You believe in that that is not a necessity in, in yoga to believe in anything, right? And then the uh, asanas, the, the physical exercises are taking care of, of the physical part as well, you know, strengthening your body that definitely then has an impact in your uh, on your mind, it helps strengthen your your mind as well and your entire uh, personality. And that part I'm sort of like missing and and sort of yeah started. I restarted some while ago to do some of those things as well. I'm not as consistent as I should be. A few a few a few downward dogs to start the day. Sorry, a few downward dogs to start the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and the funny thing is, kids kids help here as well because, yeah, as you said, <laughs> they do it in school now or in kindergarten, and as kids for them it's cool that they do all of those poses. And, and actually, my my daughter had been helping in into it because she always comes with, ah, I learned this. Can you do this? Can you do that? And okay, <laughs> I'm not as flexible as I used to be. It's actually challenging, but it's fun thing to it's a fun thing to do with uh, with your child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had that. Like, or doing plank pose with a couple of four-year-olds on your back—that's uh, good practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and then do you do you have like some practices like during the day? You know, obviously you're you know you're executive. You know, you're you're, you're exposed to all of the normal pressures of working in a big organizations. Are there are there any is there any other techniques or anything you use? You know, during your day to day. Yeah, I think I, I use very often the, the simplest thing that I think everybody will learn at the beginning, the, the, the breathing and, and paying attention to your breathing. Yeah? That's the simplest mm -hmm. thing that any, anybody, everybody could do. And yes, you, you are exposed yeah, to, to challenges in an organization and, and sometimes with, to, to people that are in various moods, right? And I find that in on a... I would say on 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 a almost day to day basis, very useful. Yeah, when something goes wrong in conversation uh, or in an interaction, just getting back on your on your breathing and just do this relaxed breathing and and follow that. <laughs> it helps you stay sane. Right, right, yeah. No, that, that's that's great. Good. Um... Well, you know, it feels like we've had a really good uh, good tour of both the kind of individual and, and the systemic when it comes to complexity. Yeah, well, you know, I, I would be curious to have to have Dave in, back in one of your <laughs> in one of your shows and 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 yeah, explore a bit this dimension of of, of individual and and scaled. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, yeah, I've, I've sort of tried to touch into it a bit, and even the spiritual aspect, right? Because for me, there's this link between, you know, yeah, a, a certain point, right? If it, we we sort of say, well, it, it's we can't, um, you know, we can't understand it all as humans, right? And and like we we can we can't predict the future. 
So to me, there is this link with the, with the sort of spiritual angle, even in the sort of stance we take when we think about complexity, because it's like, well, okay, well, yeah. then there's, there's something else beyond, even if it's as simple as there's something beyond human understanding that exists in our material world. Maybe if that's all it yeah. is, right? The, to me already, there's like a parallel with some of the, you know, the, the more sort of philosophical stances you might some say that come out of, you know, re, re, you know, religious perspectives. Um, but yeah, that doesn't seem to be when I, you know, when I asked Dave about, you know, his religion, because he's religious as I understand it, he's Roman Catholic, as you know, if, has yeah. any of you been informed by your beliefs? He's, you know, didn't, didn't really want to go there. So, yeah. You know. I'll, I'll try to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll see. Some of those um, questions will trigger the appetite for, for a follow-up on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. Okay, so um, we mentioned the book, Kinevin at 21. So we obviously, for people who've not had heard about this and we've sort of been banging on about it, you know, there is this this Kinevin yeah. framework. It's a great way to think, thinking about, you know, complexity, especially how it applies in organizations. Um, there's a book called Kinevin at 21, 21 years anniversary of the birth of this framework, uh, which you can buy. And Rich Gabriel submitted us a, a, a chapter for, so we'll put a link to that book. Um, anything else you'd like to put a kind of put a link to or draw people's attention to um, your own kind of, is that, is that order of mugs still, uh, still around? Could people still join it? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's still around. Well, you know, as we started with, with, with complexity and we, we did several uh, uh, dives into, into it. You know, I, I, found, I found that complexity science, something that uh, uh, is useful at both individual and, and organizational levels. I use it in my day-to-day -day life as I use it in, in my day-to-day -day, uh, life as an em uh, employee, yeah, as a corporate citizen. And I, and I, I will highly encourage every everybody to get to get familiar with uh, with that. You know, what is complexity? How do you manage in complexity? Because yes, it, it really serves both individual needs and and organizational uh, organizational needs. Yeah. Okay. So just go research complexity science. Yeah, that's a good that's a good yeah. uh, direction. Yeah. <laughs> um. And what, yeah, I think that's 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 something that I, I strongly believe uh, in, and and yeah, I've been through it my my entire life, and I think complexity helped me better understand and frame it. Yeah, even though I was sort of maybe practicing a lot of the things intuitively in the past, uh, but yeah, be open to explore. Yeah, that's that's the normal way I think of. Of being human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Develop your openness. I like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, but it, it, I, it's tweaked my interest. So for the for people who are, especially in your part of the world, you know, in, in Eastern Europe, that, uh, that organization that you mentioned, that's still going. What was yeah. the, the What's it called? The organization I was part of. Yeah. The, with the monks. Yeah, yeah that, was, that is called Ananda Marga. Um, it's an in, Anand Ananda Marga. Ananda Marga, okay, there we are. Yeah, that's an Indian, it's classical, let's say, Indian school uh, of, of yoga, yeah. 
Um, and yeah, it's still going. They are still active, not only in, in Romania, in the entire Eastern Europe. And they, they also, I think, still have uh, activities in, in many Western countries now where they have classes for those interested and, and still active on the social realm you know, with various uh, activities. Okay. Ananda Marga. Good. All right. Well, thank you so much. Mutmetsk. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Uh, thank Good you. Uh, I can't wait to, to uh, get this out there. Yeah, looking forward to watch the recording and see how coherent I was. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, you were. And, uh, and admirable you're doing it, of course, in the second language. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's great. Okay. Well, thanks once again. La, la revedere. Thank you. Bye-bye. La Bye. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.